How's it going? <laughs> Fixing to be a lot better, man. Welcome back to Dazed and Confused 33 and a Third. I'm your host, Jarf. And I'm so excited to be back for another week. We are talking about track 19. And my guest for this week, they are a podcaster, musician, and comedian, Daniel Spencer. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much. Hello. All right. Let us get into it. The track that we're covering, it starts with Mitch strutting his stuff coming out of the liquor store and his three friends, Carl Hirschfelder and Tommy, are trying to attract his attention. And then it ends with O'Bannon asking if he can be the first to give Carl his licks because this time it's personal. So one thing that I'd like to ask all my guests is if there was a particular moment in this scene that stood out to you and why. And for me, it's Mitch and his newfound confidence. So he, I know that inside he is elated to be hanging out with the seniors, hanging out at the Emporium, scoring some beer. But once his friends ask him about it, oh, hey, what's in that bag? He tries to play it off so cool. Like, oh, oh yeah, no big deal. It's a sixer. Yeah, just super nonchalantly. Just a sixer. (laughs) Nonchalant. I know I look 13, but I buy beer all the time. No big deal. So that was the one for me. But how about you? Honestly, the one that stood out to me was uh, O'Bannon being like, I can't believe I let you play at my pool table. Being just so cocky of like, you guys are so bad at this and I am just so good that like I own this I own this table I own this sport and like that level of cockiness I definitely had when I was younger and uh, like there were a couple of things that was just like oh yeah I have a very misplaced high sense of self-worth on this one thing that like I'm gonna then talk down to anyone who's even trying to do it Uh, and it just stood out to me as just very like toxic masculinity almost uh just like Quick question that I realized I didn't ask before. What's the bar for swearing on this? Yes, no. Say whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) Uh, Just that like alpha male bullshit of like just having to like assert yourself in such a way that like you can't just be like, oh yeah, I'm good at this. It's like I'm good and your shit type of like thing that just really stood out to me. I like that callback and especially because in all of my episodes so far, that's the first time anyone has said that they have related to any of O'Banion's behavior <laughs> in any way. And I don't know if they're being honest with themselves <laughs> <laughs> or if you're truly the first. So this was what you in high school? Only in a couple of ways, yes. Okay. For the most part, I was absolutely like awkward loner didn't have a lot of friends like hung out with the weird kids because i was a weird kid it would take to like my junior year for me to like really embrace that part of me and be like yeah i'm hanging out with the people that i like like to spend time around and like i don't care about popularity or, or all that sort of stuff but like even then there were things that i was like obnoxiously cocky about like puzzles and particularly like taste in music type of thing like I have a superior taste in music because I listen to things you don't listen to type of thing. I can completely picture 
the taste in music thing just because I was in the punk scene in college mm. and after. And, and so I, I have just seen that drama play out. Yeah. But I'm, <laughs> I'm particularly tickled by the image of puzzle superiority. And <laughs> your version of the scene is you're a disgrace to the puzzle game. Yeah. Step away from my puzzle table. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, card games too. Absolutely. My uh, my group of friends had a couple of different games we would play during our uh, lunch period every day. And oh boy, I talked a lot of smack and I backed it up, but I wasn't I was an asshole about it and not in a charming way. Now are we talking poker or more Magic the Gathering? So we're talking spades and uh, a game called Scum that's also I think referred to as president in some circles yeah i've heard of that yeah we were super intense about those games but all just standard playing card games by the time i was in high school i was i wasn't playing magic the gathering anymore with people i was just organizing my decks in weird ways oh i love sorting hobby stuff i used to have this comic book display that i dumpster dived was like an old comic rack from a store and i used to every month or so i would take some comics out of my collection and sort of rearrange them in a nice way so that they kind of look both aesthetically and thematically balanced oh man i miss that oh that's beautiful yeah it was really fun my parents have records set up in like record frames so they've got like album covers that they just kind of cycle through all uh, every so often and they're like old very weird records like one is accordion music to strip to <laughs> like that level of just like where did you find this why do you have it and this is amazing <laughs> that's so funny i have to find that yeah so well Speaking of music, I want to I wanna put a pin in the high school reminiscence because I have another question about yes. that. But you have so many great music-themed podcasts. I want to make sure we get some of your insight on this. So I came across a quote in the director's commentary, and he said that he tried to use music the way music was used in movies pre-MTV as a narrative element along the lines of Easy Rider, Mean Streets, American Graffiti. So I wondered, what do you see as the differences in these approaches? And do you see it either in the scene or the movie overall? Is there something that kind of stands out about that post-MTV period in the different way? So when you sent me that quote to like, to think about, I was just like, I was bowled over thinking about it. It was like, oh, of course, there's like a huge difference between the way that like soundtracks, especially to movies like this and American Graffiti that are like heavily defined by their soundtracks are like used to support the narrative rather than just like, here's a song that like fits the mood of the characters, which is what I feel is, has, is like post MTV is it's like, here's some pop stuff or like something along those lines that doesn't support the scene as much as it might support either the studio making the movie or the like character I'm trying to think of the right way to like of a good example to give in um legally blonde <laughs> perfect day I think is the name of the song that like is a like it sets it sets the scene well 
but it feels like it's a song that's put in the movie rather than with the songs in Dazed and Confused and the, the songs in American Graffiti feeling like they are a backbone and like you almost don't notice them because they just fit so well like obviously you notice them right that's the point of it but like it just feels so natural rather than something that's been put in in post if that makes any sense that made a lot of sense to me i think in dazed the songs that you hear it's like that was just the music that was in the air versus where it's obviously some kind of montage and a pop song put over top of it okay yeah yeah i like that comparison well okay now i'm gonna pull the pin out of the high school conversation because you said that you saw a little bit of obanion's cockiness in yourself Mm -hmm. but i wondered if they made a movie about your high school days which character is the most like you and which is the least like you Hmm. that's very difficult to answer looking like i look back on my high school days with disappointment and vitriol pointed towards myself i was a very different person i was adamant about the existence of the friend zone and like felt very entitled and felt like i was being slighted you know i'm picking up what you're putting down but maybe just for the sake of clarity do you want to say what you see as problematic about the whole concept of the friend zone oh absolutely yeah so uh the friend zone being painted as like a bad thing because you want to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to be in a relationship with you so you paint that as their fault and them as a villain for not being interested in you which is not accurate or fair the way that i read it that like really changed my mind on it was before she friend zoned you you girlfriend zoned her and that like you put this expectation out there in your own mind but didn't like voice it at all and also like generally the people who complain about the friend zone are the people who like you're not really being a friend to be a friend you're being nice to this person because you're expecting to get something out of it and that's not really genuine friendship that's manipulative and pretty shitty yes that was really well said thank you so that makes it difficult to see either a character that's the most or the least like you that is a theme in so many movies that i saw that it's reinforced as something that you should be annoyed about in more movies than i can name but i can't really think of it from this movie same i would say if i had to like pinpoint a character from a movie that like would be how i was in high school it would be tom from 500 days of summer and that is not a compliment (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i can't think of any character specifically that like fits the the way that i feel in high school that i was of like awkward and uncomfortable but still like obnoxious and cocky in some ways and unnecessarily entitled yeah well so not a compliment but i will say 500 days of summer i love that movie and talk about using music in a post mtv way 
Oh, Think about boy. the scene after they hook up and he comes out and there's a whole musical number set to Huey Lewis and the News. I mean, I love that scene, but yeah, that definitely doesn't have this genuine feel. Yeah. And also, I hate to be that person. It was Hall and Oates. Did I say Huey Lewis in the news? Oh my God. You did. I was thinking Hall and Oates. But yeah, that's that's like minus 1,000 Philly cred points. <laughs> Listen, you can take a clean take of it, edit it in. No one will ever know. See, I'm, I'm, too, I'm just too honest to do that. More points to you. I was at a work event last weekend and our DJ got there a good hour and a half before any of the volunteers were going to get there. And it's like, my dude, we didn't tell people to come until 8. It's like 6.30. What do you plan on doing? And so he just (laughs) sat up and started playing music. And we were kind of playing music and chatting. And Huey Lewis was one of the things that he kind of landed on. And I was like, turn this up. Power love. This is my song. Listen, a lot of people love to give uh, Huey Lewis, and honestly, a lot of like 80s pop rock that's out there, a lot of people love to give that a hard time, but good lord, it's still, I mean, a lot lyrically doesn't maybe hold up as much in some ways, but musically, a lot of that is still damn good. Pop music is pop for a reason. It's good, catchy stuff. Absolutely agree. And I also love Hall and Oates, which is why I'm so mortified. Oh, I could do a whole, I could go on a rant for an hour about the magic of Hall and Oates. I would be a Patreon subscriber to hear that rant. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, then I'll make sure to get that Patreon started just for you. Nice. I have seen Hall and Oates in concert twice. Oh, and, sweet. Oh, phenomenal both times. Oh, wow. Where? So uh, once at, I mean, both in North Carolina, one in a venue here in Raleigh, the Walnut Creek Amphitheater at the time, it has changed names like two dozen times in my 34 years. And then once at the Durham Performing Arts Center, which is like the big venue to perform at in Durham. And it was amazing. That's awesome. I'm jealous. Okay. So high school again, but with more of a music focus. Yes. So if they recreated a scene like this from your high school days, what would play on the soundtrack in your version of it? That's a good question. A lot of what I listened to in high school was a combination of like classic rock, right? Like your standard Led Zeppelin, your Floyd's Pink, your DC's AC, (laughs) etc. Right? Lots of you know, 70s and 80s hair bands, but also a whole lot of like late 90s, early aughts, because that's when I was in high school, like indie rock. Like I definitely like did a little bit of priding myself on listening to bands no one had heard of. But I'd say in a scene like this, I feel like probably right around the time that I was, I guess, in this age range, I feel like for Mitch and the crew, I was listening to a lot of Cake. And so I feel like probably something off of Prolonging the Magic, like maybe You Turn the Screws or... Oh, hold on. Hold on. I know there's... 
there's a song on that album that would fit perfectly in this, and I need to... Are you trying to think of something with a similar vibe to Slow Ride? A little bit, yes, but I think it would be Satan is My Motor off of Prolonging the Magic that would like that would be playing here. I've got a mind that can steal me to your house And a heart that can bring you red flowers Kind of this dichotomy of like, here's a thing that doesn't really fit in, but is trying to type of situation. And that's sort of the Mitch Kramer hanging out with the seniors. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. I like that a lot. And Slow Ride is interesting here because as a counterpoint to our song from two weeks ago, Tush, which everybody thinks is about sex, and I learned from that conversation is, at least according to them, not, although with a little bit of a wink. This is a song that it seems like no one really thinks of it being about sex because they say ride people think of kind of cruising and i think also the tempo of the song suggests Mm -hmm. that but it's 100 percent about sex yep but it's not put in a sexy scene it's just it's the background music just playing on the jukebox at the emporio yeah the use of it in this scene is so good the like whining guitar to like fade in as it's going into that scene uh in the emporium is just like it just hits this like anticipation and payoff when it really kicks in. It's just like, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And I think it's equal parts what you can imagine playing on the jukebox in the Emporium and just the music that is in Mitch's head because yeah. he is now Mr. Cool <laughs> Guy. I scored yeah. some brew. I'm going to hang out with my new friends, the seniors. And I didn't even think about the fact that the guy that he got the beer for was one of the guys that was swatting him earlier yeah and now they're just he's like oh here's your change and it's like don't worry about it man keep it i also like the way that he starts to hatch this revenge plan on obanion that we're gonna see play out somehow next week all right all right all right one of the things And I don't know if you caught this, but towards the end of the scene, so just to remind listeners, he's luring O'Banion outside of the Emporium, out by some auto shop or something. And he asks one of the girls to say that they caught one of the freshmen and are getting ready to paddle him in O'Banion's earshot so that he'll come out and they're trying to lay a trap for him there, right? Mm-hmm. So O'Banion hears it, he takes the bait, he runs out, and there's Carl and two other seniors. They're extras, so they don't get any lines here. So what I wonder is, those two seniors, they are part of this trick luring O'Banion out. So right. do you think that they were in on it? Because they're like, 
this O'Banion's a maniac. Like, yes, this is a tradition, but he takes it way too far. And this is the second year doing it. And so, you know what? You kids are going to try to pay him a lesson. All right, we'll pretend that we're going to paddle you. Or did Carl just go out there as bait? And say like, okay, you caught me. And then just hope that O'Banion showed up in time. What do you think? I think, mm, I do think they were in on it. I think that it would have taken too much coordination and like hoping it all worked out without the help of the nameless seniors who were there. So I feel like they had to have been in on it. Because like it, it seems like they also had to like wait for the right amount of time to not like start until he got there so he could be like let me let me do it first. Yeah, they had to act as true extras where they stood there in first position <laughs> <laughs> until he's coming around and they're like all right, we're about to oh, you want to go first, but we can't say anything because yeah. if we talk then you have to pay us more, so you we're just going to kind more. of awkwardly shuffle off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I I agree with the theory that they were in on it. Maybe Carl paid him off or something because Carl has not shown himself to be an honorable guy. So the idea that he would would sacrifice himself like that mm, and be brave, mm, I don't buy it. Yeah. Fair, fair point. Well, was there anything else about this scene that you wanted to highlight before we give you a chance to talk about some of your work? Oh, absolutely. The terrible dating advice that we see being given. Oh my gosh, yes. Actually, that does kind of, I mean, it is friend zone ideology adjacent, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's that don't show her you're interested. Like, be disinterested and aloof. If she's like, hey, do you want to hang out? Be like, nah, maybe I'll see you later. Sounds stupid, but it works it's like no no but that ain't it yeah i would give a little bit of a caveat to that i mentioned earlier oh this was when we were in the green room but i said that i get very carried away so i think that it might be good to tell someone like hey don't come on too strong right you want to make plans with someone you're interested in just be a little bit casual about it. I wouldn't go so far as to say, don't show any emotion. That's a bunch of bullshit. Right. But you can be like, hey, do you want to hang out? That would be fun. Okay, let's hang out. And just maybe tone it down a little bit is not terrible advice. Right. You don't want to walk up to someone and be like, hey, you and me should get married. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's that's a bit that's a bit much. Yeah. Well, that's a good call out. And then I wanted to make sure that we gave you time to call out some of your other work. I, uh, I very much appreciate that. So I am on too many podcasts. Uh, I'll only call out a couple. So I am on one music podcast called Concept. I'm currently working on editing the second season. Uh, we go through concept albums that like tell a story. Each song. Like each episode, we're talking about a song as it pushes the narrative forward of the album story. Our first season was on The Who's Tommy. Our second season is on the the next obvious concept album that everybody thinks of, Bobby Boris Pickett's The Original Monster Mash album, <laughs> uh, which tells a bizarre story and ends even weirder. Wow. So look for that to come out hopefully uh, this October. The podcast is just called Concept Podcast. Right in time for Halloween. 
right in time for Halloween. And then the main podcast that I'm doing right now is called Frankenstein's Jukebox. And that is where my uh, co-host James and I each pick a song from the same year and three things that we like about that song. And uh, using the six aspects that we've picked, we work together to build a new song out of it. And uh, I'll generally write and record the music for it. James writes the lyrics and we release the song on our uh, podcast feed as well. So check that out again, Frankenstein's Jukebox. And again, wherever you find podcasts. Nice, nice. And your co-host James has been on this show a couple of times. So I'm happy that now we have, we've got the other part of the Frankenstein monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, James, he and I started talking about music when we first became friends and it's just like yeah eventually we need to do a music podcast together because we are both very passionate and opinionated <laughs> yes and and that is a fun one so recommend and and i also should give james a shout out because he recommended that i reach out to you to be a guest he's like oh daniel they're a big music person so it worked out great this has been a lot of fun so i appreciate you coming in and being a guest today yeah this has been an absolute blast thank you so much for having me i uh, i really love the the whole uh conceit of this show uh i think that's uh it's brilliant i love the 33 and a third books and when james mentioned this to me it's like oh yeah for sure 100 percent would love to be in on that. So thank you so much for having me. Nice. Appreciate you saying that. Not to worry. There's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.